Welcome to Dispatches. I'm Brian Stiller. Spiritual movements produce bizarre and often cult-like offshoots. And nowhere is this truer than in Brazil. The explosion of Christian faith in Latin America and indeed in the world occurs in an environment where ideas framed by hope accelerate popularity of some giving influence to self-proclaimed prophets. The Universal Church of the Kingdom of God is now a world phenomenon. It began in the 1970s, and its founder, Adir Makedo, had come to Christian faith through the ministry of a Canadian evangelist and missionary, Robert McAllister, a part of the famous pioneering Canadian family of the early 20th century. McAdo, he broke away from McAllister and today claims churches in 200 countries and with millions of members. Solomon's Temple, downtown Sao Paulo, is an exact replica of Solomon's Temple destroyed in 586 BC, but precisely four times its size. Its massive presence, gilded by a golden dome, is an eye-catcher. Daily meetings, it has taken hold in unsuspecting ways. The basic doctrinal statement of the Universal Church seems orthodox enough, but it has built itself around leadership attracting to themselves not just astounding numbers, but enormous amounts of funds. Spinning its outrageous prosperity theology, in effect, give to this church and God will make you rich, and combining that with artistic and dramatic flair, its crowds and multiple churches is like nothing I've ever seen. Throughout church history, there's been no shortage of heresies and cults. Uh, here's, here are working definitions. A heresy is a deviation from the orthodox, a twist from what is considered primary in the gospel. Cults are more extreme, extending its heresies to exercising emotional control, usually resulting in some kind of psychological manipulation. A heresy is a deviation, the group most often returning to orthodoxy. A cult, and it often becomes exclusive, entrenches in its members a particular identity. The church has a history of many kinds of both heresies and cults. Tertullian, back, well, he was around 160 to 240 AD, was an early church father, and he joined a group called the Montanists, a heretical group claiming new revelations by the Spirit. Father St. Simeon, the stylite who lived for 37 years on top of a platform 50 feet high near the city of Aleppo to avoid being interrupted in his spiritual journey. Odd, maybe even heretical, but not injurious to the faith. Uh, Martin Luther was less than helpful in the brutal war on peasants. Cromwell, he did his best to destroy the elements of the church, which he believed were deviant to the pure faith he sought. Some Pentecostals in his early years asserted that if one didn't speak in tongues, you didn't have the spirit, which in effect said you weren't a believer. Now that's a heresy that soon bit the dust. Most Christian heresies find their way back to orthodoxy. Some don't. Mary Baker Eddy in Christian Science in the 19th century wrote in Science and Health that illness is an illusion and can be overcome by prayer. It's considered a cult. They never returned. So with the Jehovah Witnesses, based on an errant view of Jesus, Mormonism, another American spiritual invention, 
mix biblical material with the writings of Joseph Smith. That's called the Book of Mormon. What you may find surprising is that for years, some of its senior leaders have engaged in an evangelical Mormon dialogue with Richard Mao, the past president of Fuller Theological Seminary. And who can predict where this may lead? Well, that brings us back full circle to the universal church. Many have come to faith through the church and in time returned to a more orthodox evangelical church. Many have been reordered, reclaimed, and set on a path of Christian living and service by its influence. As disturbing are some of their doctrines, they have led many from disbelief, replacing it with wonder and belief. Yet its message is in so many ways biblically misleading that discerning Christians view it as spinning in an orbit of heresy, if not the cultic. Its founder and leader will in time pass from the scene, and with that will come change. However, how will its wealth be managed? A matter that gives power and prominence to its leaders. But what creates such spiritual interest and vulnerability, ranging from an honest inquiry into faith to the vaudeville where religion becomes the best show in town? I see three considerations on this. First, people, they really hunger for answers to identity and to values and to matters of personal well-being. The cosmopolitan and urban congestion brewing within the pot of globalization It generalizes identity and crowds out our personalization. Secondly, there's also a human attraction to the mystical, giving us reason to rise above the humdrum, to wish past concrete spaces. The spectacular universe suggests, ah, yes, there's something more than what the diet specialists, the secularists, lifeless worship meetings, or boring preachers tell us. And who among us isn't interested in hearing how to move from personal failure to success, from broken promises to actualizing dreams, or from brutality of abuse to a sacred space of loving protection? The gospel, it speaks personally and credibly to all of these longings. What's distressing is the glitter tossed on the Jesus from the Nazareth answer. Winsome and even calculating personalities, they dress up what is eternally true with huckster-smooth antics and accoutrements. But all of this should not blind us to what's in the hearts of people as they wander and wander searching for answers. We best be careful that we not too quickly accuse those who follow such spiritual hybrids, assume they are out of touch with reality. The sacred hangs in our consciousness. Human depravity reproduces gross misrepresentations of what has been created holy, beautiful, and wonderful. So who, then, will link me to the history of this creation and his humanity? Well, the universal church seeks to do that, and in so doing, put stars in the eyes of those who stare with unblinking stupor into the face of a cruel and banal world. Who knows what be its future, or that of other religious amalgams dressed up in Jesus' garb? Before we outrightly condemn what is less than orthodox, or that which meets disfavor with our majority or sounds discordant to our theological ear, best we exercise caution, modesty, 
and humility. Now, this doesn't mean we avoid addressing heresies, blithely hoping it'll correct itself. Biblical literature clearly addresses wrongly held beliefs. Good theology matters. Biblical doctrine is important. The point surely is, let's advance in humility, knowing the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Jesus brought his disciples up short when they suggested they bring fire down in Samaritans' hospitality. On another occasion, Jesus' parable reminds us not to try and pull out the weeds to preserve good grain as they'll be separated in harvest. The soil of contemporary human life is inviting, indeed vulnerable to promises of faith. It's always the right time to sow good seed. I'm Brian Stiller, and I serve as Global Ambassador for the World Evangelical Alliance.